This is a Reconstructionist radio production. Please visit GaryNorth.com slash free books to download this book in PDF format. By this standard, the authority of God's law today by Greg L. Bonson. Published by the Institute for Christian Economics, Tyler, Texas. Copyright 1985. Chapter 20. What the Law Can and Should Do Quote, Within the life of the believer, the law receives its proper due. Indeed, it is established by faith. End quote. Our study of what the law cannot do has found that the law, one, cannot contribute anything to a man's justification, two, cannot relieve the bondage of sin and enable obedience, and three, cannot actually accomplish the full salvation foreshadowed by the ceremonial ritual. A thorough study of the literature of the New Testament will show that its depreciatory or negative remarks about the law of God will each and every one be associated with an oversight of the three mentioned inabilities of the law, failing to see what the law cannot do and was never intended to do. Men have tried to use works of the law for personal justification, have vainly sought to obey the law's precepts without God's gracious empowering, and have continued under the outmoded shadows of the Mosaic ritual after the advent of the Savior. It is to such unlawful uses of the law that the New Testament speaks with firm antipathy. Yet none of the well-known New Testament passages which speak against the abuse of the law go on to release believers from moral obligation to the pattern of righteous living revealed in the law. The standard of the law remains valid, showing us what is good in the sight of God. Paul's evaluation is proven very helpful in resolving the apparent conflict over the status of the law within the pages of the New Testament. Paul explained... Quote, we know that the law is good if a man uses it lawfully, end quote. 1 Timothy 1.8 What are the lawful uses of the law? Proper uses of the law Before Adam fell into sin, obedience to the law would bring to him life and well-being. Since the fall, however, the law became to sinners a way of condemnation and death. The law cannot bring about obedience in the sinner and cannot be used as a way of justification. The ceremonial shadows of the Old Testament, the gospel in figures, gave promise that God himself would graciously accomplish full salvation for his people, justify them from sin, and break the power of rebellion in their lives. God's righteousness is effective in those who have experienced a transition from wrath to grace in their personal lives, so that grateful obedience to God's good law becomes a way of life and well-being. No longer is God's law ignored. No longer is it replaced with the commandments and wisdom of men. No longer is it misused for the purposes of self-righteousness. Within the life of the believer, the law receives its proper due. Indeed, it is established by faith. Romans 3.31 By it we can be blessed. According to scripture, the law has many legitimate functions. We can try to summarize them in the following list. 1. The law declares the character of God and so reveals his glory. The kind of lifestyle and attitudes which the Lord requires of his people tells us, of course, what kind of God he is. If you wish to see the contrast between the pagan deities and the living and true God of the Bible, simply observe the difference between the things which they command. Moloch demanded child sacrifice, while Jehovah commanded the care and nurture of children, to take but one example. 
Psalm 119 extensively applies the attributes of God, perfection, purity, righteousness, truth, to the precepts of God. Throughout the law, God reinforces the authority of his commands by following them with the declaration, I am the Lord. In showing the true and radical demand of the law's requirements, Matthew 5, 21-47, Christ was showing us the perfection of God which is desired in us, verse 48. John Newton wrote, quote, When we use the law as a glass to behold the glory of God, we use it lawfully. His glory is eminently revealed in Christ, but much of it is with a special reference to the law and cannot be otherwise discerned. We see the perfection and excellence of the law in his life. God was glorified by his obedience as a man. What a perfect character did he exhibit, yet it is no other than a transcript of the law, end quote. 2. The law displays the demand of God upon our lives as men. By revealing the character of God, the law quite naturally expresses what is required of men if they are going to imitate their creator. The law's commands show how we are to be like God by propounding the will of God for us. Before delivering the summation of the law in the Decalogue, God spoke to Israel with these words, quote, Now therefore, if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant, then you shall be my own possession from among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. End quote. Exodus 19, 5 and 6. Obedience to the law is obedience to the voice of the king, the lord of the covenant, and as such it shows us what it means to be his subjects and servants. For us to pray, thy kingdom come, is likewise to pray, thy will be done on earth. Matthew 6, 10. And God's will is communicated by his commandments, telling us what his holiness means on a creaturely level. Leviticus 27 and 8. 3. The law pronounces blessing upon adherence to its demands. God's commandments were laid down for our good. Deuteronomy 10:13, And obedience to them is the pure delight of the righteous man. Psalm 1, verse 1 and 2. Such obedience brings prosperity. Psalm 1, verses 3 and 4. And good success. Joshua 1, 7. The Lord's loving kindness is upon those who keep his precepts. Psalm 103, verses 17 and 18. Blessing them in their cultures. Deuteronomy 7, 11, 28, and 30. Indeed, Paul taught that godliness is profitable for all things, since it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. 1 Timothy 4, 8. Seeking the righteousness of God's kingdom above all will be rewarded by the supply of every need. Matthew 6:33. The law ensures that when men are just and righteous, they enjoy the life and blessing which imitation of God constitutes. Thus the commandment was ordained unto life, Romans 7.10. And the man who does the things of the law enjoys life within their sphere, Galatians 3.12. 4. The law provides a definition of sin. By showing us what God is like and what God demands, the law likewise delivers a standard for sin. Sin is lawlessness, 1 John 3.4. In delineating the righteousness which pleases God, the law simultaneously provides the norm of waywardness in rebellion against God. Where there is no law, there can be no transgression, Romans 4.15 and 5.13. By the law, men come to know what sin is, Romans 3.20 and 7.7. 5. The law exposes infractions and convicts of sin. The law is more than simply an objective code of right and wrong by which, 
if one is interested, he can judge his performance. The law being spiritual, Romans 7.14, is part of that word of God which is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, so as to pierce deeply into the recesses of man's heart and bring to the light his darkest character. The law judges the thoughts and intents of the heart, Hebrews 4.12, and produces a conviction of our sinfulness. For example, Romans 7 verses 9 through 13. 6. Even more, the law works to incite rebellion in sinful men. Not only must we recognize that the law cannot enable us to obey its demands, we must also see that the law actually works in the contrary direction, exciting within the rebel further and further expressions of disobedience. Because the mind of the flesh, sinful nature, is unable to be subject to God's law, Romans 8, 7, God's law serves to confirm one's bondage to sin by provoking intensified rebellion. Thus, Paul can see in the law the very power of sin, 1 Corinthians 15, 56. To understand this one need only reflect on the sad fact that the best way for an owner of a plate glass window to get it broken is for him to post a sign prohibiting the throwing of rocks at it. The very prohibition incites rebellion in the heart. By means of the commandments, then, man's sinful nature becomes exceedingly sinful, Romans 7.13, working in us all manner of sin, Romans 7.8, causing the trespass to abound, Romans 5.20. 7. Consequently, the law condemns all transgression as deserving God's wrath and curse. The statement of Galatians 3.10 is blunt and terrifying, quote, Cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things that are written in the book of the law to do them, end quote. Deuteronomy 27.16. James intensifies the threat, saying, quote, Whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumble in one point has become guilty of all. End quote. James 2.10. Every infraction of the law brings wrath upon the sinner. All men will be judged for their ungodliness. Jude 6. Judged according to their deeds, whether good or evil. 2 Corinthians 5.10. And if found guilty, cast into the eternal perdition of second death. Revelation 20.12-15. The wages of sin will be death, Romans 6.23. Therefore the law works wrath, Romans 4.15, upon those who are, by their sinful natures, children of wrath, Ephesians 2.3. 8. The law drives us to Christ for salvation. Thus far we have noted the unmitigated, absolute, unchanging demand of the law, which reflects the holiness of God and thus sets out the evil of man by glaring contrast. Those who would have hoped in their own righteousness for acceptance before God are shown the futility of this hope by looking at the high standard of the law. The law speaks, and this shuts every mouth by bringing all the world under God's judgment. Romans 3.19 Sinners apart from Christ have no hope in this world. Ephesians 2.12 The sinner's only recourse must be to the free mercy of God's promise. Enlightened as to his guilt, he cries out with Paul, Wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from the body of this death? Romans 7.24 God's gracious answer is Jesus Christ. Romans 3.25 Who manifests the righteousness of God apart from our obedience to the law. Verse 21 And who justifies us by the free gift of faith. Romans 3.22-26 5.18-21 And 6.23 in this way, the law serves an important function in bringing men to salvation. It demonstrates their need and leaves them no honest option but God's offer of salvation. Quote, Before faith came, we were kept in ward 
but under the law, shut up unto the faith, which should afterwards be revealed, so that the laws become our tutor to bring us unto Christ, that we might be justified by faith. End quote. Galatians 3, 23 and 24. This passage is customarily cited for the wording which suggests that the law drives us along to Christ. 9. The law guides the sanctification of the believer. Since the law sets down the pattern of God's holiness for our lives, since the law was our obligation from the beginning, and since it is precisely the violation of the law which brought about the death of Jesus Christ for sinners, it only stands to reason that those delivered from sin's guilt and bondage should now desire to follow the previously spurned law. Those who have seen the glory of God in his law and have thereby been convicted of their own sin, being driven to Christ for salvation, should strive to bring their thoughts, words, and deeds into conformity to the glorious standard of the law. God says, You shall keep my statutes and practice them. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. Leviticus 28. Christ gives his spirit to believers in order that the ordinance of the law might be fulfilled. Romans 8, 4. The law offers guidance and discernment to the believer. Psalm 119, 24, verse 26, and verse 105. Proverbs 6, 23. So that he can walk in the light of God's moral perfection rather than in darkness. 1 John 1, 5 through 7. 1 John 2, 3 through 6. 1 John 3, 4 through 10. And 5, 2 through 3. Christians ought not to sin, but rather to evidence love toward God and neighbor. The first epistle of John tells us that sin is a violation of the law, and that love is seen in keeping God's commandments. Accordingly, Christians are properly guided in their lives by the law of God. John Newton wrote, quote, Another lawful use of the law is to consult it as a rule and pattern by which to regulate our spirit and conversation. The grace of God received by faith will dispose us to obedience in general, but through remaining darkness and ignorance, we are much at a loss as to particulars. We are therefore sent to the law, that we may learn how to walk worthy of God, who has called us to his kingdom and glory, and every precept has its proper place and use. End quote. Such an outlook led men like Newton to find another use of the law closely associated with its function of guiding sanctification. They often spoke of the law serving as a test whereby to judge of the exercise of grace. Such a contempt, although unpopular in our day of easy believism, was very much on the mind of the Apostle John, who wrote, Hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments. 1 John 2.3 Obedience to the commandments was for John also a mark that one loved God and loved God's children. 1 John 5.2-3 It thus appears appropriate that believers should use the law of God as a benchmark by which to gauge and evaluate their growth by God's grace and holiness of character. Because Bolton viewed the law as a direction of life, a rule of walking to believers, he went on to find that God's law functioned as a glass mirror to reveal the imperfections in our performance of duties, as a reprover and corrector for sin, even to the saints, and as a spur to quicken us to duties. 10. The law also serves to restrain the evil of the unregenerate. Although only believers will appreciate aright the glory of God's character revealed in the law, be convicted of their sinful pollution by comparison, and seek to be conformed to the righteous standard of the law, the law also serves a function in the life and experience of the unbeliever. Even if the unbeliever is not duly driven by the condemning finger of the law to the arms of a faithful Savior, the law should be utilized within a civil society to restrain the outward evil of ungodly men. Indeed, in the very passage where Paul tells us that the law is good when used lawfully, 
The precise lawful use of the law which he has in mind is its restraining function upon rebellious men. Quote, Knowing this, that the law was not enacted for a righteous man, but for the lawless and unruly, for the ungodly and sinners, for the unholy and profane, for murderers of fathers and mothers, for manslayers, for fornicators, for homosexuals or men-stealers, for liars, for false swearers, etc. 1 Timothy 1 verses 9 through 10. This may not be a sanctifying effect in the unbeliever's life, but it is nevertheless a preservative function within society which is honored by God. It was intended as one of the proper functions of the law when God revealed it, both through the created realm and through the medium of written legislation. The Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network brings to you a complete lineup of podcasts where you will hear practical and tactical theology. Our desire is not simply that you consume our shows, but that you also live out your faith in every area of life. We can talk all day long about these things, but if we fail to put them into practice, then we fail as ambassadors of Jesus Christ, our King. Subscribe now to your favorite Reconstructionist Radio Podcast Network shows, or you can subscribe to the Reconstructionist Radio Master Feed, where all of the content we produce including the audiobooks and audio articles, will pop up as soon as they are available. And don't forget to visit ReconstructionistRadio.com to volunteer as a narrator or to partner with this ministry financially. May the Holy Spirit stir you into action for Christ and His Kingdom.